Welcome to the Astrology Hub podcast. I'm Amanda Pruel Walsh, founder of Astrology Hub and your host for our flagship show. We explore the many ways astrology can support you in your relationships, career, health, and personal growth. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast episode is brought to you by Astrology Hub's Inner Circle. Awaken your soul, find connection, and transform your life with the world's top astrologers in a heart-centered community. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome. I am so happy that you're here today. We are going to be exploring some fascinating topics. I've been getting a preview of some of the things we'll be diving into, and I promise it is juicy. So we will be covering a lot about the moon cycle and the power of the moon as an alchemical tool. So what does that mean? How can we work with the moon and the moon cycle for different aspects of our lives? So it's going to be so amazing. And I'm so grateful to be here with Kaylin Castell, who is an alchemical astrologer. So we'll talk about what that even means. And Kaylin is a leader in the field of astrology. She has been practicing for over three decades. She was a co-founder of the Shamanic Astrology Mystery School. She's authored works like the Shamanic Astrology Handbook. She has a dedicated YouTube channel for sharing her work. And she truly is a recognized figure in the astrology community, presenting at various conferences and events and we're grateful to have her as an inner circle astrologer for our inner circle members coming up here very, very soon. And she will be teaching a mastery class when she's an inner circle astrologer about the magic of the moon and the alchemical processes that are available to us. So Kaylin, thank you so much for joining us. I'm so grateful that you're here. I'm so delighted to be here. All right. Let's start with this concept of alchemy. What is alchemy and what is alchemical astrology to you? Great question. And I think there's so many different definitions of alchemy. My favorite is taking the ordinary and turning it into the extraordinary. Mm. But here's something I, I just recently was reminded of is that we're all alchemists. Every time we eat something, our body takes um, whatever it is that we ate and turns it into fuel for our body. So it's alchemizing that energy. It's like so that we can so that we can do what we're here to do. So we're so we do that every single day. Mm. How amazing is that? And then there's other things. So you can think about it beyond that. But for me, I think what I what I tune into is how are we transforming our awareness around what it is that we think we know? What's the alchemy that's happening for us? And especially at this time when the world is so crazy. What? It is? Right. I didn't and, notice, Galen. And you hadn't noticed. I, I might have noticed, but yeah. Well, okay. How did you get how did you get into this? Like tell us the story of of why alchemy and what I mean, I know so much of your work is around this alchemical process of turning the ordinary into the extraordinary. I love that definition. How'd you get into this? Well, so I was raised by parents who were into all kinds of wild and crazy things. They were Rosicrucians. They were into Unity and Church. I was initiated in a transcendental meditation at a young age. I've been always on a spiritual path and interested in things like that. As a child, my mom 
did, they were little lessons for children from the Rosicrucians. And we did these lessons and she'd light a candle and we'd do a little prayer. And it was like, I had no idea at the time that it was unusual. <laughs> it was not what other kids were experiencing. So anyway, my grandfather was a Mason, a Freemason. Hey, can you can you tell us, because I, I always get confused about what Rosicrucian is, what so, Masons are. Like there's a lot of information. Lot. So the Rosicrucians are, are looking at the, and I don't know if I can really explain this well because I haven't been involved with it as much, but it's it's esoteric knowledge and learning basically how to do high magic and alchemy and that kind of thing. That's what it's all about. The Freemasons are were based from the Knights Templars. The Knights Templars had gone to, let's see, they went to Israel, to Solomon's Temple, and recovered a lot of insights, information, treasures, that kind of thing. And the King of France wanted the treasures. And so he had them arrested and and vilified and that kind of thing. And so they went underground. And when they came back, they became, they came out as Freemasons. But there are still Knights Templars around. My grandfather, I just learned this a few years ago. My grandfather, who was a minister, was a Knights Templar grand commander and chaplain. And it was, and the reason I found out was because it was in his obituary. And he died like, he died before. Um, just before I was born, like I, I was born in the mid fifties and he, he died just not too long before that. I mean, Caitlin, this is probably a very simple, like black and white, simple question, but hang on. I, I'm always wondering, are they good or are they bad? Well, so there are the conspiracy theories out there. <laughs> well, on I both sides, the cons- like that they're good or that they're bad. But, right? Yeah. But the thing is, is that there is a secret part of it that, and whenever there's a secret part of it, then people wonder. I don't honestly know. I know that my 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 family has always been involved with these things. I was a, a rainbow girl growing up. That was another thing that I was, and that's part of the, you know, the kids would be the, the Eastern star was for the women, the Freemasons for the men, and rainbow girls for the girls. And I think it was the demolays for the boys, that kind of thing. I never saw anything nefarious ever with any of that. So, um, so I don't know. But it is it was a way of keeping certain mysteries alive, is what I feel like they were doing. And there and with anything, there can always be an underlying not good. It depends on who's curating the mysteries at the at any particular time. Yes. With great power comes great responsibility and the great potential to actually misuse that power. So I can see that it. That's why I said my, my question is probably pretty simplified because it's probably both. Yeah. There's the ones using it for good and the ones using it for not so good. And yes. Founding fathers were all Freemasons. Right. right. Yeah. So, I mean, it has a long history. It goes way back. And that wow. Okay. But, so I diverted us. So tell us, you, you, grew up, you grew up thinking all of this was normal and this is what people do. And then you probably got into the world and were like, oh, wow, like what's going on over here? <laughs> Yeah, and also just to, just to say, I I wasn't interested. I was somewhat interested in astrology, but I always thought it was somewhat complicated because people would just say things. And I'd be like, "Well, what does it mean?" <laughs> I don't get it. And then I got introduced to. I was invited to come to a shamanic astrology talk back in 
1990, and I was nine months pregnant with my youngest child. Like he was born two weeks later. (laughs) I mean, literally. But when I heard what this person was talking about and how it was being presented, I was just, uh, I was astounded. I was like, this I have to know. It lit me up. I was like, okay, looking at the intent, looking at this from a different perspective. It's not about prediction. It's not, it's about how can we work with these mysteries when we understand what our soul's intent was when we came into this life and the chart tells us that and we align ourselves with that. So it's what, what are the mysteries we've come to explore, to express, to experience and to help evolve? Mm. And, mm. And, when, and what I found and what I um, see for lots of people is that when we align with those things, when we're really making our choices with that understanding, magic happens. My life totally changed with that. I was like, oh, high magic in ways I never even imagined was possible. Give us an example of a few things that magically unfolded for you. Oh, man, that's such, that's such a good question. One of the things that happened was I got introduced to a, a process. This was back in 1995. Actually, it was late 94. And then I entered the process in 1995 of awakening the priestess within coming from the perspective that all women have a priestess within but it's been suppressed repressed and denied by the patriarchal culture so how do we reawaken that part of ourself and so that's when i learned how to do ceremony it's when i learned how to work with other women because women had been pitted against each other and you know it's like th- there was more competition and so on so this was a way of creating a way for women to be in collaboration and cooperation and support one another and to just be there for each other was just just super amazing to me because I had never had that experience before. Mm. It is a powerful experience. So women come together and it's like, oh my gosh, we're so magical together. Oh, I understand why there's probably forces that aren't super excited about that. Right. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Just like let's, how do we suppress, repress and deny the feminine? Yes. And that the feminine even has any value. The only reason I, I was thinking about this recently is that one of the reasons that the women weren't completely just wiped off the earth is because they wouldn't be able to reproduce. <laughs> so they had to keep women around because that was their that was their only value. Wow. Okay. So much to unpack there, but we're not going to go there. I feel like I'm going to keep asking you to define certain terms because I want to make sure that we're understanding how you're using them. One of them is shamanic astrology. So you said you went and you heard a shamanic astrology talk and this really spoke to you. What to you is shamanic astrology? So it's more about the experience. So shamanic literally translates as direct experience. So when we have a direct experience, if we're having a shamanic initiation, we're having a direct experience. And I know that there's lots of different ways that people look at shamanism or shamanic or that kind of thing, but shamanic itself is about the direct experience. So this was a a way of looking at the astrological mysteries to have a direct experience of them and tuning into the cycles and the seasons and the moon and the moon phases and all of the stuff and how it is just like magical as something that ancient cultures did. They built standing stone circles. They built pyramids. They built chambered cairns. They built petroglyph sites. They built temple sites that were tracking 
these seasonal things. In fact, something that's not necessarily well known is that in Rome, St. Peter's Cathedral, there's a dome. And in the dome, there's a, um, it's like a little uh, light thing that is so that when the sun is at the equinox, it shines on a specific mosaic on the floor and tells them it's the equinox. But of course, the whole Catholic thing is like, you know, astrology, you know, that's evil, that's bad. It was a way to disconnect people from these mysteries and from having their own direct experience. They wanted to be the intercessor and be the one that says, okay, here's your relationship to God or to the divine or to whatever they, you know, however you want to define that. And so that was, it was purposely taken away from the people. Mm. Wow. Okay. Okay. One more question before we go to the moon and alchemy, which is, what do you mean by a priestess? So you said that you had this experience of this priestess initiation. What is a priestess and why do you say all women are priestesses? So it's the... So there's different ways of looking at that. I mean, in the ancient times, there were priestesses in the temple who were trained specifically to do uh, ceremonies at certain timings and to, you know, to help keep things in balance. And uh, uh, when they would see certain planetary alignments, they would do specific ceremonies. They did new moon ceremonies. You'll love this because we're going to talk about the moon in a moment. They did new moon ceremonies for themselves or for the in the in the temple at the dark of the moon when the moon wasn't visible. They did the new moon ceremonies for the people when the crescent moon was visible. Oh, interesting. I love that distinction. Interesting. Yeah. So to them, the, new, the dark of the moon wasn't the new moon necessarily. It was just there was no moon. But the, the new moon was when there was, you, you could first see that tiny crescent in the mm-hmm. sky. And that's what did the ceremonies for the, for the greater collective. So priestess is, to me, what I feel like it is, it's reconnecting to our ceremonial roots, to that place of, of feeling a, a more direct connection to the mysteries of life, them, life itself, and how we can be intentional, setting intentions, creating ceremony, working with, you know, when we come together, you probably know this, but when we come together and set intentions together, it magnifies exponentially those intentions. Mm. We change the world by coming together and having an intention that we have love and peace and plenty for everybody, however we want to look at that. And the more we come together to do that, which is one of the reasons why women were pitted against each other, Mm. because they didn't want them doing that. (laughs) They had their own agenda that they were trying to do. And so uh, but but not just women, but any you know all people coming together with a specific intention, and they've proven this by doing research on meditation practices and things like that. That when they have you know five people's like having ten people, ten people's like having twenty people, twenty people's like having forty people. It's like the more people come together, it exponentially increases the power of the um, collective intention. Mm. I had some of our leadership team come out to Maui for the last couple of days. We were doing some planning for 2024 and stuff. We stayed at a property that has a labyrinth on it. And so we did yesterday, we walked in the labyrinth. And what Laura on our team was reflecting is that she walked it alone first. And then, and it was sort of non-eventful, <laughs> uneventful. And then when she walked together with us, it was like an entirely different experience. I've had that experience walking labyrinths too, but same with ceremony, same with intention settings, all of it. 
there is a palpable difference when we come together and we do these things. And and I'm, I totally agree with you. It was that first moment of like, I get it. I get why we're told that we women are jealous and catty and why we're, it's almost like we're encouraged by culture. You know, if culture is sort of like whispering in our ears, we're, we're encouraged to gossip about each other and do the backstabbing thing. And it was kind of like, hey, that sucks. First of all, it feels bad. Second of all, I've had the, the experience of what happens when, when we're in true support of each other and it's brilliant and powerful and magical. Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Yeah. So, so thinking about the from the perspective of priestess, when we all come together with a ceremonial intent to support one another, to do to create something amazing for the world, to come back to a place of greater wholeness within ourselves and the greater collective. I feel like that's the and uh, now how the priestesses can come forth, you know, how our priestess within can come forth and in ways that wasn't available. You know, I, I for me, it's been almost 30 years since <laughs> I engaged that and nobody wanted to use the P word because they were afraid to say they were doing priestess work. They'd say they were in a women's circle, but they wouldn't say they were, they, that they were, you know, in a priestess initiation or becoming a priestess or any of that because it was just like, people would just be like, whoa, that, that's oh, too weird. But so everywhere. Yes. <laughs> Kayla, I did a, a priestess a path initiation and my daughter, my daughter's like, you mean that? cult thing you did and I was like always oh, that's what it was so cute but like even that perspective of like that's kind of weird what like what what were you doing and I'm like no it's just women coming together and doing ceremony and ritual connecting with the earth and nature and holding space for each other and holding space for birth and holding space for death like all of it it's and it's one of the things that is core and central to the inner circle is we have that new moon ceremony every single new moon and there is power like anybody that has been present at those ceremonies will attest. And if you have, please put it in the chat. But there's something so tangibly empowering and uplifting and connecting and magical. And and people experience that in their lives. And it's become something that they're committed to doing because it's so potent. Yes. Yeah. And I'm it's just so exciting to see the evolution of what's happened over the last uh three decades. <laughs> Yeah. And, and how women are, it's, it's, I mean, I think there's probably still the other stuff going on, but I just don't hang out with those people. So I don't really see it. Yes. Okay. Let's talk about the moon. Why the moon as a particularly potent alchemical partner for us? Yes. I love this. So the moon is the most visible thing in the sky besides the sun, but when the sun's in the sky, you really can't see anything else. So uh, so, although this morning I was out walking and I saw that it's approaching the last quarter moon, the moon phase I was born into, I was like, oh, look, that's almost my moon phase. Uh, so the sun was there and the moon was there, but that was it. So the moon is moves across the sky and it comes back to a start of any one starting place every 27.3 days. It comes back to a phase every 29 and a half days. So it's closer to month, month, month. Is, is named after the moon. So although our calendar is not really 30 days or 29 and a half days, but um, there's lots of reasons for that. Anyway, the, the point being that we experience about every month, we experience a specific phase of the moon 
and it's easy to watch the moon. You can, I, I, I decided this back in the mid nineties when I was doing a presentation for my priestess circle and uh, I was going to teach on uh, something on astrology. And I thought the moon's the best place to start because it's the easiest thing to have a connection to. Mm-hmm. And right around that time, I was learning about the power of the moon phase you were born into and how women in their biological fertility years can literally get pregnant in a sun moon phase, even if they're menstruating. As there, I've known women who said, there's no way I possibly, and, and, I, and I went and looked at when I first got pregnant, I didn't think I was, I should have gotten pregnant because I, it happened like two or three days before I was supposed to start my menstrual cycle. And I went back and looked at the date and sure enough, I was in my sun moon phase. Okay. So t- back up, tell us a little bit more about this power phase and where it originated from. Well, I think many ancient cultures knew about it. In fact, I um, have a shaman friend who, when he was being trained in the shamanic ways of his tribal culture, they recognized that the moon phase a woman was born into was when she was fertile. And the opposite phase was when she was menstruating, if she was in alignment with that phase. Now, I was never in alignment with mine, (laughs) hardly ever, because I had a 26-day cycle. And it's really a 29-and-a-half-day cycle to come back to that same exact phase. But it is a three-day window also. So the day before the exact phase return, the day of the exact phase return, and the day after the exact phase return. Okay, so you're saying if someone was born on a full moon, for example, then their power phase would be the day before, the day of, and the day after the full moon. If someone was born at a quarter moon, it'd be before, during, and after the quarter moon. And this is when they're the most fertile. Like, so to conceive a child is one example, right? Yes. And there was a, um, a, a doctor in Czechoslovakia who came across old Arabic texts and he found this information and he started applying it for his women patients and was having huge success. And then, the, you know, he, he was helping women not get pregnant and helping women get pregnant. And very successful at it, like 95% success rate. And uh, he got shut down. And interesting, it was around the time that fertility drugs and birth control drugs were coming out. <laughs> so was there a connection? Kind of. Interesting. So, yeah. Yes. Okay. So Kaylin, you're saying you can use, which by the way, this is not medical advice right now. Just, just keep me that, making that clear. However, what you're saying is that based on the moon cycle, you can know Based on the moon cycle you were born in, you can know when you are ovulating and you could get pregnant and you can know when you're not. So your ovulation might be different than your sun moon phase. Oh. So what had happened for me when I got pregnant was I had ovulated and I was, I was doing the, the, you know, tracking my cycle and that, that was how I was doing birth control at the time. So I've been tracking and I'd been very successful with it. But then again, like I said, three days before my cycle was supposed to start, I got pregnant. I mean, I, you know, I had it. But you were clearly not in the ovulating phase. You were tracking the ovulating phase and you got pregnant anyway. And it's because you were in your sun, you were in your power phase. Yes. Yeah. I was, I was astounded to to learn that, to like find that. I'm like, oh, that explains it. (laughs) 
Not what happened. So they say that when you're doing the tracking your cycle, your ovulation and all of that, as a birth control method, it's only about 80% effective. Right. Like this is the reason why, because they don't know about the sun moon phase and that there's that me- women literally menstruating can get pregnant if they're in their sun moon phase and they have a powerful sexual experience at that time. So something that it's, I mean, it just fascinated me like, oh my gosh. And then I started thinking about it from the perspective of, okay, if this is about the conception of a literal child, what else can we conceive in this window? We can conceive ideas. We conceive projects. Any, anything that we want to energize in this time, it's a conception point. So why not? So I started working with it as that for people. And like every month we have this power phase and it's power. It's amazing. It's like, I, I shared this with a woman right after I started, came up with this back in the mid nineties, she went and she created altars all over her house for different things in her sun moon phase. And she, she wanted a new home. She wanted a new job and she wanted a new relationship. She got all three of them within a couple of months. Wow. Doesn't always work that fast, but right. Okay. And so in each one of us has a personal individual moon phase, essentially, or power, power moon phase is what you're calling it, right? Power yeah. moon. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Power. Wow. And this is this, I've read like uh, Jan Spiller has a book, but it's definitely different because it, it actually, well, it's based on your birthday, but I don't, I wonder if she's using the moon phase in it. She might actually be moving, using it in her calculations, but okay. That's very interesting. So tell us, like, let's add this concept of alchemy into this. What what do you mean by that? Well, so if we're working with our power fate and we're in a place of high fertility, conception, you know, those kinds of things, and we work, we work with it intentionally, we work with it ceremonially, we um, create an altar with, that has that intention because the altar will hold that, in, you know, altars altar awareness. So that holds that intention for us. And uh, and put it somewhere where you will see it often. It will remind your subconscious of the intention and it will usually. And what I also will add to that is I ask the universe to send me a sign that the intention's being acted on. Some It doesn't have to be huge, but it, I do like to have some kind of sign or symbol that comes along to help me know that I'm on the right track. And if I don't get the sign within the assigned amount of time, like 24 hours, 72 hours, whatever I sign in the moment, then I know that I probably still need to align myself or maybe there's something in my system that's in the way and I need to work on that and then come back and redo it again in the next sun moon phase. (laughs) So, okay. So you work with it with your intentionality. And so you basically create an intention, you create an altar for that intention. I love that you just said very quickly, but I caught it. You said altars, altar awareness, and they hold the they're like the container for your intention and you need to be able to see it and you need to you know remind your subconscious of the intention you don't have to think about the intention all the time but if you see it if you see that altar that holds that the awareness of that intention then that's all you need it's like you're fertilizing it or something or water right yes okay then you ask for a sign so within and you give you give the universe a prescribed amount of time, which I love. You go, you say between twenty four hours, forty eight hours, seventy two hours. You'd like a physical sign that your your intention is on the right path. Can you tell yeah. us a little bit more about that. Like, 
give us an example of, of a time where you've gotten confirmation you're on the right track or off the right track. I'm going to give you a couple real quick. These are ones that happened when I was out walking in nature. But one morning I woke up and I'd been doing ancestral healing work. And I was like, am I, am I making any progress? I just don't know. Could you send me a sign? Go for my morning walk. I live in the desert in Tucson, Arizona, and I see a Gila monster. A what? Gila monster. What's They're that? The, they're big lizards. They're huge lizards. They're the biggest lizards in the desert. They're like about this big. And they spend 97% of their time underground. They're very rare to see. But I always know when I see them that my ancestors are talking to me because they're the most ancient. They're like, you know, connected to the dinosaurs. They are very old beings on the, on the planet. So I was like, okay, got my sign. I guess I'm on the right track with this. That is so cool. I love it. I know. And I have seen, and I, lots of times I've asked and then, you know, the Gila monsters will show up. So I've seen lots of them. Some people have lived there their, in the desert their whole life and never seen one. Wow. Interesting. So, so it, that's a powerful sign from the universe. So that's one way. And another, um, another time similar, I was, I woke up one morning and I was like, I just don't, I was having some challenges. I was feeling like I was off track. I wasn't on the right track. I it would, Maybe I needed to adjust something in my thinking or my perspective or my approach. I didn't know what it was, but I said to the universe, I just said, could you just send me a sign and let me know if I'm on the right path? And so I went for my walk and I was listening to Carlos Castaneda. I think it was the teachings of Don Juan. Mm-hmm. And, and Don Juan says to Carlos, so all paths lead nowhere. So you might as well choose a path with heart. And, uh, and, and as soon as he was finished saying that, I took about 10 or 15 steps and I came across this heart rock oh my God. on my path. So I'm on a path with heart, oh, with affirmation from the universe that I'm on a path of heart. I was like, oh, thank you so much. <laughs> I can stop judging myself now. <laughs> So good. I love that. I just love that when you're talking about, you know, be having direct experience, being in dialogue, these are the really tangible, practical ways we can do that. And I know that some people would say, well, you're just reading into that. It's like, well, I don't know. I mean, what are the odds of like two, like, first of all, getting the confirmation in the audio you were listening to at the exact perfect time, and then taking a few more steps and having the heart rock. It's like, it's pretty powerful. You know, if people don't want to believe those things, that's their choice. And that, right. I, I support that, whatever whatever works for you. But for me, I live a life of magic. And so for me, these are things that are high magic. And uh, and that I just choose to look at it that way. And it brings me total delight to do that. Well, so and, and, more fun way to live. <laughs> exactly. And and what, yeah, it wasn't that the, what Carlos Castaneda or Don Juan said was choose the path of heart because it's a lot more fun, basically? Well, yeah. I mean, if, you're, if, if all paths lead nowhere, there, it's not like it's taking you anywhere, then p- pick the path with heart because it's going to be a, a much more fulfilling path for you. Mm-hmm. More fun. No, maybe. Yeah. That, that was good. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us about the mastery class you're teaching for the inner circle, the alchemical process of the moon? The alchemical magic. The, the oh, way better than process. The alchemical magic of the moon. Tell us about that. Okay. So as I've been talking about, I think knowing our, our, the phase of the moon we're born into, it not only tells us for women, it tells them about their biological fertility cycle, but it also tells us when we are in a power 
moon phase. So I'm going to be speaking into that. Um, as I was tuning into the phases of the moon, and we have in our culture eight phases of the moon. They they're they're divided up by 45 degrees, zero degrees to 45 degrees to 90 degrees, you know, to uh, 130 to 180. So those are considered to be the beginning of each of those phases. One of the things I'm going to speak into is the shamanic phases of the moon. Shamanic being experiential. So if so, we actually see the full moon. It looks full for three days, at least three days. Some some places might say longer, maybe four days. But but for the day before, the day of, and the day after the full moon, it looks full in the sky. And the, and the same with all the other phases. So I'm I'm going to introduce that idea and how to work with it, and what are the degrees that I feel into around that, and what those are going to be. So I'm talk about that, and then and also associate with the phases, those eight phases of the moon with the hero or the heroine's quest as defined by Joseph Campbell. Mm, Amazing. Because it, it just, it just helps you understand the moon, (laughs) what's going on with the moon, you know, the new moon, the call to adventure. And then the crescent moon is the divine inspiration and help that supports you as you've been called to your next adventure. And then the first quarter moon crossing the threshold into the zone of magnified power where you're going through the initiation. So the moon phase is associating them with this journey uh-uh. so it's just fun and also get deeper insight into what that phase is about that might be what what will the students be able to do as a result of having this understanding well ideally they'll uh, what i'm gonna what i like to invite people to do is to consider because some people are going to be thinking that they've, they've been a, a full moon or a waxing gibbous moon their whole life, but then they find out, oh, wait, if the moon is actually in the full moon phase the day before, it's actually full, maybe I'm a full moon person. Uh, and I've had the chance to experience this with my twins who were born an hour and 12 minutes before a full moon. So they are technically, in the way that we tend to look at it, waxing gibbous, mm-hmm. but they're so totally full moon. They're, they're performers, they're... The things that they do, it's like they are de- definitely full moon, definitely full moon. So I've been able to witness that. So then you might find yourself in a different phase. And then uh, we'll, we'll talk about what those different phases mean. And you can tune into that. And, and this, is, this is what we're going to look at is based on how it's been seen. But I'm going to invite people to also consider how it's showing up for them. Mm. Yeah. And. And then look, and then also looking at the fact that they can work with their moon phase every month to create the alchemy they want in their life. So So good. Okay. So if any of you are interested in joining the inner circle before Kaylin teaches this class, so then you would actually get to participate in the mastery class. You'd get to participate in the new and the full moon forecast that Kaylin will be teaching. You'd get to participate in our new moon ceremony. And also a live Q&A and chart reading demonstration with Kaylin. If you're interested in doing that, then now would be a great time to jump into the inner circle. It's astrologyhub.com slash IC23. Now, if you are more interested in waiting until we are in a promotional period, then you can get on the wait list for the inner circle. And the, the inner circle has different teacher every lunar cycle. So you would, whoever it is, when you actually end up joining, they're incredible astrologers and teachers. So you can get on the wait list now too. And that's at astrologyhub.com slash 
inner circle wait list. But again, if you're chomping at the bit and you're like, oh my God, I need to take this class. I'm so, I love Kaylin as a teacher. This would be a great way to just get in now and experience it. And then if you do join at full price, when we run a promotion, you will be able to lock in our promotion price. So you could join at full price right now and then shift it when we're in a promotional period. So that's available to you. Kaylin, this has been so much fun. I've learned so much in such a short amount of time. I always loved connecting with you and just you're so wise and shiny. <laughs> that, that magic, the fact that you live your life with the magic, it's like, ooh, I can feel that. Like I, I can feel that. And it's very embodied. It's like, you're not just talking about it. You didn't just read about it in a book. You're living it. And that's very, very clear in the way that you share your stories and share your wisdom. So thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you. My pleasure. And I just hope people, even if they don't do this, I hope they get excited about tracking the moon and starting to be with them. Because the moon passes by all the stars every month, you know, does everything in a month that the sun does in a year. And so it gives us an opportunity to tune into different places in the sky and wow. when it's passing different planets and that kind of thing. So it's, it's an easy way to start because you know that mo the astrologers like Kepler and uh, I can't think of the other names right now, but they were us, um, astronomers. They were astrologers as well. So astrology and astronomy got separated and it's time to bring the two back together so we can help greater wholeness of understanding. Absolutely. I mean, we are in a hundred bazillion support of that here at Astrology Hub. It's like we ha like to, to have astrology devoid of of the actual movements and and under and having that connection with the sky. It's it's just it's half. Like they've been divorced for so long. It's time for them to remarry. So yeah, our own insights, our own understanding, because whatever it is that people have known in the past all well and good and also maybe powerful and amazing, but we're in a new time. And so there may be new insights and understanding coming through. And when we go out and have that direct experience ourselves, then we're getting our own transmissions. Right. And yes, that's so cool. There's nothing like that. There's no replacement for that. It's so amazing. Kaylin, thank you. It's been such a pleasure. Thanks to all of you. Thanks to our Inner Circle members. I hope you're so excited right now, like just thinking about and anticipating what we're going to be learning with Kaylin. Thanks to all of you for being a part of our community. We love sharing the wisdom and the guidance of astrology with you. Thank you for being a part of our community and for making astrology a part of your life. Cannot wait to connect with you on the next episode. Take care, everybody. This podcast is presented by Astrology Hub. You can learn more and find all of our shows at astrologyhub.com slash podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review and hit subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you can stay up to date on the latest episodes and help more people find the wisdom of astrology. Thank you for taking the time to do this now. Thank you for being a part of our community and for making astrology a part of your life.